This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Please welcome your hosts, Patrick Allen and Matt Verderam. Welcome in, surprise video edition of the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. We have never done a, our, our Thursday show live before on YouTube, but we figured, what the hell? A bunch of you tuned in in the middle of the night on Sunday after a miserable game by the Chiefs. So if you really can't get enough pain, we're going to give it to you. I'm Patrick Allen, Matt Verderam with me as well. This is the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Verderam, how have you been doing since Sunday, man? How have you been coping? Working so much, I can't really think about it. Um, listen, they, <laughs> I think you just kind of accept the situation with them, which is they're two and three. They're not going to get a bye this year. They're not going to be a one seed. They, they're in a fight for the division. And even that right now feels like it's a pretty uphill battle, although I don't think it's impossible. Yeah, it's, uh, it's different. It's different. Usually, even in the Alex Smith years, they'd be off to a four and five and start. That has not been the case this year. Now, there's been a few things that I think have contributed to that, right? Like they've had a really tough schedule. I mean, a really tough schedule. When you go and look at the games, the exception of the Eagles, which and the Eagles aren't a horrible team, but they're not a good team either. That's contributed a little bit to this, right? Like. Some of the panic, obviously the Chiefs aren't playing well, but how much do you put on the fact that they have, I I saw this by DVOA, like by far the most difficult schedule of any NFL team through the first uh, five weeks of the season? I mean, some of that for sure, but I also look at it and say, well, the Chiefs should be beating everybody that you know, they can have thrown at them. And and I don't mean literally everybody. Like, I'm not saying it should be five and out, but I'm saying, you know, they're supposedly a really good team. So they should win these games. Like, look, they should have beaten Baltimore. They should have won that game. They gave the game away. The, the Chargers game, if I had to hear one more person say the Chargers are the best team in the AFC, I'm going to go out of my mind. The Chiefs should have won that game by two touchdowns. They handed them the game. That game wasn't, look, nothing against the Chargers, who, by the way, have been very good this year. The Chiefs should have killed the Chargers. Kansas City couldn't stop turning the ball over. Like I, that is my frustration with that. The only game that you really look at and go, yeah, they just got beat was Buffalo. Buffalo went in there and just kicked their ass. Fine. I'll, I'll happily cede that and give the Bills all the credit they deserve. The Chiefs kicked the Chiefs' ass against Baltimore and, and Los Angeles. So I, I think that for me, and I'm sure a lot of fans, is the frustrating part is it's not necessarily that they're just, oh, well, they just stink. They don't stink. But they're beating themselves week in and week out. How much less panic do you think there would be, though, if they had won those games? You know, they won the Chargers game. They they should have won the Chargers game probably without the turnovers based on the way the game flow was going and the way they were moving the ball. And then the, the Baltimore game. So if we're sitting here and the Chiefs kind of got, you know, their asses handed to them by Buffalo, but they had won all these other games, how— like, do, do you think there's still the same level of panic among the Chiefs' kingdom, or is it a little bit more muted if that goes down that way? I mean, they'd be four and one. I don't think anybody'd be panicked. They'd be pissed. They'd be annoyed. But look, everybody's panic. My feeling, I, mean, I can't speak for every Chiefs fan. My feeling is the panic is based off this defense. They just can't stop anybody. Look, I, 
if you're panicked about the offense, I, w- I would honestly tell you to calm down Be- because they have been great offensively every game except for the last one. Now, of course, look, the big glaring thing with their offense is turnovers. But they've not been a team over the years that's been prone to turnovers. I do not think all of a sudden they're going to be – they're going through a hell of a stretch right now. But I do not think that, oh, this team, this is just it, and this is who they are now, and they're going to be good for four turnovers a game. I don't feel that way. However, they do have to correct it. But the defense is the problem. The defense is so horrifically bad that I think that's where the panic sits. And you just look at it and go, man, that's not like a quick fix. You're not just going to – Oh, okay, we'll blitz a little bit more and it's all better now. Might help, but they have just core problems on that side of the ball that I don't know. If if they can fix that in season, Veach either does a hell of a job before the deadline or Spagnuolo really gets deep into his bag and figures out some things that that I don't think any of us believe he can figure out with this group. I'm really confused, and I know we've brought this up a few times on the podcast, but... Look, I get it. A guy like Sorensen, he's past his expiration date, right? That's what Matt Connor said a couple of weeks ago about a few of the guys on the defense, that that may be part of the problem. But there are some mental mistakes happening as well that I think are contributing, I don't want to say equally, but almost equally to the disaster on defense. They should not be playing this poorly. They just should not be playing this poorly. There's enough talent for them to be a, you know, in ranked to 20th rank, 23rd rank defense. And they're underachieving right now. You can maybe say it's because of the schedule or le- look, sometimes the schedule can be unforgiving. If you're playing, if you're start, if you get the start of the season that the Broncos had, where you're playing teams that can't win a game and you make mistakes on defense, or you're still figuring some things out or, you know, those types of things. It's more forgiving. You you probably still win those games and, and it doesn't a panic doesn't arise. But when you start out of the gate with basically a playoff schedule, like this is ba- like the, the, the Chiefs, they just went through basically a playoff schedule, what they would need to do and what they're probably going to have to do if they make the playoffs to get to the Super Bowl. Um, do you think that's magnified things? And, and, and do you think there's an I don't want to say an easy way to fix this, but I looked at a lot of the film this week. And was looking at some of the all 22 and the mistakes that I see guys making are just in some cases they're getting outmatched. But in some cases, it's just like, what are you doing? Like you just over pursued there, Sorensen. You got a guy on your right. Stay in the middle. You're in the crease of a running play. And they're just they're just making dumb errors that when I think if they correct some of these, it, it could make a really big difference. What do you think, Matt? Well, I, I agree in the sense that. Yeah, look, they've played a really hard schedule. And yes, if you're playing, you know, the the Mac like the like the Broncos were for three weeks, yeah. I mean, if the Chiefs played those three teams, they'd be three and all, you know, going out of those games. I, I don't have any doubt about that. But um I think the, the issues defensively, look, it definitely starts with what you're talking about, which is communication, it's technique, it's tackling, right? Like that. And if they fix those things, they will be better. Now, I'm not saying they're going to be top half of the league, but yes, I mean. I have been blown away. I was talking to Joshua Briscoe on the radio on, on, uh, in Kansas City Air last night. And we talked about this a little bit. And I am, I am floored at how many assignments this team has blown through five weeks. It is just incredible. They've been the same damn defense for three years. 
How is Dan Sorensen blowing assignments? Like, I get it happens occasionally, but I mean, every game, multiple times, and he, God knows he's far from the only one. Okay. Anthony Hitchens has looked lost. Their corners at times have looked lost. I mean, I, I don't know how you're blowing assignments. You're in this defense, you've been in it for years. I, I do think sometimes with the Chiefs, and this even goes back to last year when they would take leads and then they'd blow them and then they'd hold on at the end and they had that big streak where they didn't cover any spreads. I do think with them sometimes it's a lack of focus. It is just, it's like we're so talented that it doesn't really matter. Now, you'd think they'd get over that at two and three at this point. But I think even sometimes you see it with the turnovers with them. And I love, look, everybody loves Mahomes, but it's true even to him occasionally. Like, I'll just wail it in there because what the hell? Like, it'll just work out. Like, well, no, it's not always going to work out. You can't just play like that all the time and think that things are going to play out. Like, look, the Chiefs have to understand something. And I think they do, to be fair to them. You are the Super Bowl for every team you play. Every single team that you play. Look, the Bills are a really, really good team. And I've seen multiple players since the game on Sunday talk about how important that game was. I have a buddy of mine who actually works for our Bills site over on Fansided, Kurt Homiser, who said to me after the game, that is the biggest win of my lifetime. Like, beating them is a, is a 30-inch headline story. It matters. So the Chiefs have to know, like this weekend against Washington, Washington is not good. We'll get to this game. They should pummel Washington. This is the biggest game for Washington this year. They are playing the two-time defending AFC champs. It is a measuring stick game. They're also two and three. Like The Chiefs have to be ready every week. They have to be because they're getting everybody's best shot. And when you play a schedule, like you mentioned, the first five weeks of the year, okay, those teams want to kill the Chiefs. The Ravens never beat them. The Bills never beat them. The Chargers in a big spot never beat them. Like, those are huge games for those teams. I know for the Chiefs, it's like whatever. It's September or it's early October. But if you come in with that level of intensity and a good team comes in with, we've got to win, we've got to prove ourselves, you're going to get your ass kicked. And I, I, I think the Chiefs know that, but they don't always play like they know. They don't have the focus that they need to against these teams to win. Yeah, and I, man, I'll tell you, I've been feeling a bit better. I don't know why, because they're playing like complete trash, but I've just been feeling a little bit better the, the farther I got from the Bills game because one, I think they needed it. I know we've actually said this a couple of times, like, well, maybe they needed to, to lose a couple of these games to realize they need to focus. Maybe they really needed another ass kicking this year to get it together, because I think this game coming up against Washington, this is it for them. Like they lose this game. They can't get it together for this game. Forget it. Like it because it's okay to stumble. I think it's okay to stumble, especially with a difficult schedule. But I think this is the game that's going to tell us, and we're going to preview it in a second, who they're going to be this year. Is this going to be one of those lost seasons? Remember they had one uh, when they had a really talented roster with Dick Vermeil, where they just like went seven and nine or whatever that one year. And it was just like, I don't know what the hell the deal was. They shouldn't have. They should have been winning, but they didn't. Uh, is this going to be one of those lost seasons? Or is it going to be a season where the Chiefs adjust to what teams are doing to them, where Andy Reid adjusts, where they, where they lean on their veterans, where they lean on their Hall of Fame head coach, where they lean on their all-time great quarterback and figure it out and start putting together a couple of wins. I'm starting to feel like that's what's going to happen, that the defense is going to improve a little bit. They're going to tighten some things up. And I wanted to ask you this because I've been thinking a lot about it. 
I'm seeing all the chest thumping from the Bills fans and the Ravens fans. Oh, the, the I saw some guy the the AFC runs through Baltimore now. Bills fans are are grave dancing on the Chiefs. Everybody's doing it. And I was I was kind of saying this to my wife the other day. I said it'll be really fun. It'll be a lot more fun for me as a fan if the Chiefs lose these games early in the season. And then they come back in the playoffs and they just knock off all of these teams. That they get it together, they get it figured out. They're the Chiefs again. And they go into the playoffs and they take out Baltimore. They take out Buffalo. It'll be really gratifying. Do you see that happening? I, I it definitely could. Um, I said this year the other day, I was talking like that. I can see the Chiefs going nine and eight this year and just never getting it together because they just can't get off the field. I could also see the Chiefs figuring something out and getting like incrementally better and not losing another game. Like they're talented enough to do that. I mean, they really are. I, I look, you we talked about it already. They played the hardest schedule in football. If, if they didn't beat themselves in two of the games, I mean, just flat out beat themselves, they'd be they'd be four and one. Like I, it's you, and nobody would I think be concerned. I, I think look right now, it's about just this game coming up. They have to win this game. They have to win this game. And I'm to, the, I'm to the point with them. I don't want to see them winning 41-38. Like, win the game like you should win the game. Go out and play well and win 38-21. to 21. Like, go win the game. Dominate the game. Get off the field. Make some stops. And you know what? I've been crushing the defense all year. And, and I think rightfully so. They stink. But I'm going to also level, level some criticism at the offense here as well. Enough with the turnovers already. Just enough. Everybody loves Mahomes. Enough of this crap. Stop throwing the ball to the other team. Now, two of the picks I understand this year have not been on him. The other four have. They've been off. They've been bad throws. Like, stop throwing the ball. I don't care if it's third and seven and he's just trying to make a play. I don't care. Stop throwing the ball to the other team. Get your crap together. Stop bailing out of pockets that are clean as a whistle. And he just he bails out of them. And he turns into like a fire drill out there. Like, stop doing it. You know, look, just because he's great doesn't mean there's not some criticism at him, too. Like, he yeah. has made a lot of mistakes this year, not only in interceptions, but I, like, I, and I think it's a habit from last year. How ter- but come on. Like, why are you bailing out of some of these pockets? And, and also, when it's second and nine and there's a guy open for seven yards underneath, throw it to him. He's yeah. wide open. Like, yeah. just take the free yards. I don't understand. This mentality they have, like they just don't look adverse to it. And that gets me to my final point before we can, I guess, move on here. Look, their offense has to make a fundamental decision because I think they're in between it right now and it's killing their identity. These teams, and God knows you're going to see it again this weekend, are playing cover two. They are backing up. They're trying to keep everything in front of it. And that's not anything new, by the way. Like the Chiefs have seen this for years. But the Chiefs are in this weird middle ground we're like the kind of running the ball to get them out of it, but like not really enough or well enough. So it's like, well, we're also going to try to throw the ball into these spots. Look, you got to do one of two things. You got to either just commit to early in the games and we're running them out of this defense. We are going to pound the ball and pound it and pound it and pound it and run behind our great offensive line. And we're just going to, we're going to smash people off the line of scrimmage and we're going to get five, six yards a clip. And that's how we're going to get these teams out of it. And I know the analytics nerds will say not to do that, but you know what? F them. Like the, the, everybody in the NFL for years knows that this is the way to do this. And I don't care if somebody with, with, a, with a computer in their basement can tell you otherwise. Like you, 
run these teams out of it. Or, yeah. or call a cover two beater on every play for Verts, Mills, China. There's a million different kinds of concepts. Call those, the, call those plays and just bombs away at these teams. You want to sit there yeah. and do that? Fine. Then we're going to throw the ball, and we're not going to be neutered by it. We're going to go after you. We're going to throw the ball down the field, and we don't care if you have two high safeties because we're running four guys 30 yards down the field. Then go after them. But you can't do a kind of both and then end up in this spot where you're constantly in like second and seven and throwing a swing pass because that offense sucks. And and I, I think part of it is created confusion and a little bit of frustration, and it's led to some of their issues. Yeah, it has. And I think you 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 said it. They're not running well early. They're running, but they're not running yet well. They're getting three, four yards a clip. And I think some of that's Clyde Edwards Alaire, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, he's not going to be playing this weekend. And so I think that that's going to be a huge, huge key for the Chiefs in this game is can they run the ball? And, and I'm fine. Th- throw Throw some slants which I feel like they never run slants and it drives me out of my mind because of the defenses that they're facing. But, uh, you know, run the ball. You need to get more yards on those plays. And I think the thing that about running the ball also is it's a little bit safer than throwing and that, you know, uh, things can go wrong, right? A, a ball can get batted down at the line, you know, those types of things. And that's what teams are banking on is that the Chiefs are going to make mistakes. Force them into a 13-play drive and what's going to end up happening is they're not going to get their explosive plays. They're going to make a mistake. Someone's going to jump off sides. Now they're going to be in a third and long, and it's just going to cause a problem. The Chiefs need to come out. They need to be aggressive on early downs. They need to get big chunk plays uh, via the running game and uh, shorten these drives. They don't have to be long drives if you can run against a light box. And I'm excited to see Daryl Williams because I think his running style is just a little bit different than CEHs. He doesn't dance behind the line as much. He gets in there, he makes a cut and goes through a hole. And I think we'll I think honestly this game is going to tell us a lot about Clyde Edwards Alaire. How does I want to see how Daryl Williams runs behind this offensive line. And if he has a huge day because of these light boxes, that's that's going to be a little bit of a, a you know of a report on on how Clyde Edwards Alaire has been running. So I'm really fascinated to see this, and I'm actually I'd like to, to get a look at Gore as well, who was elevated from the from the practice squad. Although the way the Chiefs do things, he probably won't get a single carry in the game. He's just there for depth. Well, I mean they they need to be able. I mean McKinnon, give him the football. Like I don't. I, they need more speed. I mean it's funny actually. Go back and watch our show Sunday night. To your credit, you said, like, I wouldn't be surprised to trade for a running back. Well, the next day it comes out, hey, you know, Marlon Mack might be on the way. I mean, I they need more speed. Now, I will be the first to say, I think the running back position, while they need more speed at the position, is something that I am not overly concerned about because they need to fix his defense. But if they can get Marlon Mack for nothing, go ahead and do it. That'd be fine. Um, Edwards Allaire is absolutely part of the problem because he doesn't have enough explosiveness. And he does he does run timidly at times. And I don't mean like he's scared. I mean like he just there's a little bit of hesitation, there's a dance move. He like I do like that about Darrell Williams. He is more of a sledgehammer. It is up the field. He reminds me more of Spencer Ware in the way he runs. Like it is just up the field and he's going and he's not, you know, look, he's not Jamal Charles. He's not going to break away from the pack. But I do think his style fits them better. Like this is an offensive line that can move guys. They're going to create holes. And that has been my biggest frustration with the run game. 
Now, in past years, they just haven't been able to get a lot of push. They're blowing open huge hole, and they just cannot run the ball. Right. Like it's right. I mean, there will be times, and I remember, I think it was the first run of the game against Buffalo. They had a hole the size of, of Kansas off the left side, and they got four yards out of it. Yeah. Like, how do you get four yards? I mean, how do you have seven, eight, ten yards out of that play? Like, and I got to imagine if you're Veach, it's driving you crazy. Now, look, he you know, he drafted Edwards Alaire, so he's got to kind of own that too. But it's got to drive you nuts. I, I think it's 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 definitely a point of frustration. They have to be able to run the ball again. I get it. We live in this era now where analytics take over everything. Well, you know, you're better off, but. That doesn't take in the account of of a, how a team might play and how they think and whatnot. Like the the reality is, teams if you run the ball for five six yards, they're going to come down and start to pack the box. They're going to. I don't care. Like teams are not. It's just like offenses don't want to be patient all the time. Well, defenses don't want to give up six yards of carry every damn play. They just don't. Yeah. At some point, they're going to put another linebacker on the field for safety. They're going to come down. They're not going to want to deal with it anymore. And then that is when you're going to get those. And by the way, we saw it against Philadelphia. Every couple drives, you get one or two plays where Philly would come down, and the Chiefs would kill them. They hit Hill a million times deep down the field, and that was the game. So it's proven out, but they've got to be able to make them pay. Yeah, let's get into our official, you know, preview of this Washington game and what we think the Chiefs need to do. So, look, for me, I've been talking to a few people about this this week. I really think that what Mahomes needs to do in this game and some of the games moving forward is play a little bit more like Tom Brady. And the thing about Brady, right, is when you're playing Brady, you got to blitz him, you got to get pressure because if you just sit back and play the way that the Chiefs are playing Patrick Mahomes right now, Brady's just going to carve you up because he's going to read the defense before the play. He's going to know exactly where he's going with the ball and he's going to absolutely destroy you. I think with, with Mahomes, it's kind of, it's in his career, it's kind of been the opposite. You blitz Mahomes, you're dead. The Chiefs have too many weapons. He can, he's too mobile. He can carve you up. Mahomes needs to take a page out of Brady's book and he needs to take what the defense gives him and he needs to get the ball out fast. To your point, I think he's always trying to make the big play. I think he's 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 getting out of the pocket too fast, and he doesn't need to. He just needs to get rid of the ball quickly, a little bit more like he did early in his career. Go to the check down. You know, on that first play, I can't remember if I mentioned this in our postgame show, but in that first play of the Bills game, he hit Tyreek Hill for uh, on a on a on a crossing pattern. And Tyreek Hill got like 11 yards. It was a good play. He had a step on his man. I'm never going to, I'm never going to, um, you know, hit Mahomes for throwing to a Tyreek Hill with a step on somebody. But if you look to his left, Jarek McKinnon was in the flat. There was nobody within 10 yards of him and his defender ended up falling down. If he had thrown that ball to McKinnon, McKinnon gets 30 yards easily before anybody touches him. And if he had read before the play, the way that they were playing, he might have looked, he might have glanced to his left and been able to hit McKinnon for that big game. And I look, you got you're you're looking at Kelsey, you're looking at Hill. But I think the way that teams are playing him, he needs to take advantage of the other things that are there. And I know we hit uh, like we take, you know, Demarcus Robinson and 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 these and McCole Hardman, we, we give them a lot of grief for not producing. But I think it's there for them. They should be get like they should. They're open, 
and he's not getting to them until it's too late. And then he's running around back there trying to make crazy things happen. Uh, again, this isn't this isn't a, a too heavy of a criticism on Mahomes because he's so amazing. But there are things that he can do better in his game. And I, I mean, think if he not, takes a page out of Brady's book, they'll just carve teams up. He's not above reproach. I mean, look, he's a great player, best player in the world, in my opinion, but he deserves criticism. I mean, come on, let's be honest. I mean, he, he has to be willing to throw the ball on, you know, first and 10, second and eight, like just throw it underneath. If the guy's wide open, just take it. I mean, I, I, I do believe they, they suffer sometimes from the disease of they're so talented that it's just going to be, well, I'm just going to fit it in there. Okay. Well, maybe you will sometimes, but why aren't you just, throwing the ball to, to the back or to a receiver when you can just pick up 10 yards. I mean, that, that, quite honestly, that's dumb. Now, sometimes I'm sure, look, it's a progression thing and okay, fine. You think, you know, you see Hill before you see McKinnon or so. I, I, that's fine. I understand that. But there are times where it's very clear he'll look at a guy and he just won't throw it because it's like, well, that's only going to be six yards. Okay. Well, that's a hell of a lot better than zero. And, I, you know, I saw some people after the game criticizing the offensive line. I, that one I don't get. Like, their line's been really good. And you've got to keep in mind, and if you talk to people around the league, they'll tell you this. He's a hard guy to block for because he's very unorthodox. He's not Brady, who takes three-step drop perfectly and a five-step drop perfectly. He takes weird drops at times, sometimes too deep. He will, he will bail out of a pocket. You don't know where the hell he is. And, look, I mean – You'll take all those things because he's incredible. Like, I'm not sitting here saying, oh, well, they should correct him on every little thing. I, you know, part of what makes him special is he is unorthodox and he's, he's crazy in the way he plays. And that's fine. But because he plays like that, every once in a while, you are going to get a pressure you shouldn't have or, or even a sack you shouldn't have because he bails out of something. Now, the flip side of that, he also makes plays when he bails out of the pocket sometimes because things break down and he can he can throw to any blade of grass on the field from anywhere. So he also challenges defense in that regard. But listen, you know what? Getting into this week, they're playing a team that defensively should be really good. I mean, they have a ton of first-round picks, ton of talent. They've been as bad as Kansas City defensively. Yeah, yeah. They are the horrendous defense. The only team that has given up more points than Washington is Kansas City. And they've played virtually nobody this year. Okay. They have played, uh, I'm just trying to rip this off the top of my head. They have played the, the Chargers, who they lost. It was obviously yeah. the best thing they played. So on week one, um, they played the Giants, who they should have lost to. They absolutely should have lost that game on Thursday Night Football. If the Giants don't get called for being offside and a missed field goal in the game. They have played New Orleans, who they lost to, and and, and let Jameis complete a hail mary in the end of the first half. Um, they have they barely beat Atlanta. Okay, I mean this is thirty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it needed it needed a, a touchdown in the last minute to win that game. And I cannot remember for the life of me who the other game was. The Bills. Uh, oh yeah, they the got Bills, killed. They yeah. got forty three points. They have played a fairly easy schedule. They have not been good. They're, Taylor Heineke, who's the backup quarterback, who's starting for them right now, he's not good. He's thrown a ton of interceptable passes. Five of them have been picked. He does not have a big arm. Terry McLaurin has 400 receiving yards. He has been great. They have nobody else with 170. They're missing their starting tight end. Antonio Gibson, their, their running back, missed practice yesterday with a shin injury. I mean, they are they are not a good football team. 
Like they're probably going to win like five games this year, maybe six. The Chiefs, if they lose this, if they even struggle with this team, it's a disgrace. This team's even worse than Philly. Like this team is yeah. awful. The yeah, Chiefs have to win this game by a couple scores. What would worry me about this game is if I'm Washington, I'm coming out with the exact same game plan that the Bills had. Oh, because while Heineke is no Josh Allen, he is mobile. He's run for 127 yards this year. He's averaging 5.1 yards, yards per carry for them. And that's what I would do. I would come out and I would run a lot of, a ton of play action. I'd be handing off to Antonio Gibson, who's a good running back. And then I would be, I would, some of those reads that the Bills did with Josh Allen were so great where he would just, you know, fake that handoff and then find a hole, a crease and run on the Chiefs. That's what I would be doing because to your point, and Heineke, you know, he's averaging 7.6 yards. Here's the thing about Heineke. He's not afraid, right? This isn't like Drew Locke that you're playing. This is a guy, he's he's maybe not that good, but he's not afraid to sling it and he's not afraid to run. And a quarterback like that can be a problem if the Chiefs are doing dumb shit like they were doing against the Bills where they're blowing coverages because he could get out of the pocket and he could hurt you and he's not going to be afraid. Now, on the flip side of that, as you pointed out, He's thrown five interceptions to eight touchdowns this year. He's been sacked five times, so he can make mistakes. The Chiefs need to stop the run in this game. They cannot let Washington come out like Buffalo did and run it on them, run the quarterback, move down, get an early touchdown. They need to shut them down and force Heineke to drop back in the pocket and deliver passes, and that's where the Chiefs could get back on track on defense. But it's going to have to start up front, and God help me. If Chris Jones plays, he better be a defensive tackle because I'm over it. And I think that, you know, I was I was excited. I actually put money on Chris Jones to win defensive player of the year. I hope so that's a lot of money. That's a that's a that's a 10 bucks. I'm not getting back. Yeah. Right. Because we were you and I were excited about the prospect of him at defensive end because we thought for one, we thought Jaron Reed was going to actually play, but he never arrived in Kansas City. So he's still back in Seattle uh, just hanging out, you know tossing fish in the market or whatever it is they do over there. Um, I think that it, get at the first step to fixing this defense in this game, put Chris Jones back at his natural position. All right. Frank Clark is, is, is back on the healthy side. Put, you know, rotate in uh, Mike Dana to try to get some pressure on, on some passing downs, but just, just start with that one thing. And it might make a huge difference. For this defense, it could have an effect that goes back level to level if they just get a little bit better up front because of Chris Jones in the middle. You know what? Like, if there's ever a game to just blitz the crap out of a team, this is the game. The quarterback sucks. He'll throw the ball up for grabs. They have one receiver, double McLaurin, and just bring the house. I'm so, like, I'm sorry. If Spagnolo sits in a zone in this game, I'm going to lose my mind. If they can't man up against this team and just double McLaurin, what are we even doing in this game? I, if they can't guard Curtis Samuel one on one, and if they can't guard some of these other guys, I mean, honest to God, Adam Humphreys, I mean, come on. Logan See, Thomas is on IR. They're going to have to take, he, take on right. Ricky Seals Jones. I mean, Jesus, God in heaven. Just double McLaurin and bring pressure. Force him into some mistakes in this game. Because if they sit back, they're look, they can have the worst pass rush in football. They stink. Like, bring six guys. Just do it. 
What is the worst thing that's going to happen? You're going to give up a touchdown? It's all you do anyway. What, like, just come after them. Try, yeah. I, there's one thing we have not talked about. We didn't talk about it on the postgame show. I haven't talked about it today. It's one thing I've thought about, and I don't know how much it means. But one thing that got lost in that Bills game, if you want to look for one positive, the second half of that game, they started blitzing. Gay played almost every snap. It looked like a totally different defense. They gave up seven points in the second half of that game. They were three and out in the Bills left and right, and the only drive they gave up was the one with the Frank Clark penalty. That was it. Like, they actually played well defensively in the second half. Now, how much of that is, hey, it was pouring out and the Bills already were up by a good a margin? I, I don't know. But I, they looked different in the second half of that game. Now, I didn't really bring it up because I don't know how much of that is just a mirage and, hey, what the hell, you know, for a half, they decide to play a little differently and maybe the Bills weren't ready. If I'm Spags, I'm coming out playing the exact same way, though, to start this game. Like, maybe you found a little something. Like, maybe, look, you don't want to have to blitz all the time, but you know what? Maybe you're going to have to. Like, maybe that's how Steve's going to have to play, and you're going to live with it and die with it, and that's how it's going to be. God knows there, I mean, Baltimore's been doing that for a decade. So I, I think if you're the Chiefs in this game, you know, all year long, even with the Eagles, to be fair, you face teams that have good weapons. You know, even the Eagles have two really good tight ends, Devonta Smith, right? Like, the Ritz, the, excuse me, Washington, I'll never get that out of my head, Washington, has has one guy who can beat you. One. And for people who say, well, what about the backs? You know, they have McKissick and they have they have Gibson. Look, those guys, if you really look at the numbers, and Gibson, like I said, he's dealing with a shin injury. I don't, I don't know whether he'll play or not. He didn't practice on Wednesday. But if you look at the stat lines for the players on Washington, okay, you already mentioned tight end Logan Thomas. He's out. He's on IR. All right. Other than McLaurin, they have not one guy with 170 yards. The, the running backs, McKissick has 150 receiving yards. You're like, oh, okay. But one of those catches went for 56 yards. Like, he's right. done nothing outside of that. Antonio Gibson has 119. 73 came on one play. So, like, you're talking about a team here. Their number three leading wide receiver has 86 yards. The number one tight end on the team that's active for this game, Seals Jones, has 79. If you can't blitz that team and still cover them, I don't know what to tell you. At that point, you're beyond hopeless. Yeah, this was a playoff team last year, and it was a playoff team largely because their defense played the lights out. Stunk. The division stunk, and they had uh, a very they, they had Alex Smith for part of the the stretch run, and he doesn't turn the ball over. That is not Taylor Heineke. I think you're absolutely right. On defense, and I thought this too about the Bills game. I was like, I don't know. I don't know what to think here. Are they playing better? Are the Bills just getting conservative because they know they've got the lead? And, you know, when the Bills needed a touchdown, they got one in the second half, right? When they had to score. Um, on defense, let's talk about Dan Sorensen for this game. He's playing 100% of the snaps. They did get a little bit more Juan Thornhill in that game, but you still had Dirty Dan out there every time. And I know they like to go out there with three safeties sometimes, and that's yep. fine. Juan Thornhill has not played well when he's gotten time. I know everybody wants to think, oh, if we just put Juan Thornhill out there, it'll be fixed. That's not necessarily going to be the case. But here's, here's the point that I want to make. 
when it comes to Thornhill and why I think everybody in the Chiefs kingdom is right when they say we need more Juan Thornhill. He's a former all-rookie of the Pro Football Writers Association. He's a second-round pick. He's Look, Dan Sorensen's a great story. Undrafted free agent, came out. He's a Super Bowl champion, made clutch plays for this team. I'm not here to crap on Dan Sorensen. It's not his fault. Some of the things, the mental mistakes he's made are his fault. But like, what's happening to him right now is not his fault. It's going to get us all. I can barely get out of bed in the morning sometimes. I'm so sore, right? It's He's just getting older. He's lost a step, and he didn't have a step to begin with. So if there's somebody that's going to have a precipitous drop-off in production, it's a guy like Dirty Dan. We're now at the point where if Juan Thornhill's making mistakes, he can't play any worse than Dan Sorensen. If he's making mistakes out there, and that's why they're keeping him on the sideline, well, guess what? Dan Sorensen's making mistakes out there. He's missing tackles. He's in the wrong position. So Steve Spagnuolo, I would say to you, and Andy Reid, I would say to you, Juan's not going to get any better on the sidelines. He's not going to get any better standing over there holding a clipboard. He has to be on the field. Live with the mistakes from Juan Thornhill because you're dying by the mistakes of Dan Sorensen right now. Get him on the field. Play him 100% of the snaps. You need to rotate in Dirty Dan. Fine. You would be doing Dan a, a, a service by having him only play 40% of the snaps as opposed to 100% of the snaps. And I think you just have to live with the mistakes. Well, look, I, I agree to an extent. I'm done living with any of their mistakes. Okay? Like, Juan Thornhill's been in the league three years. How about you tackle somebody? You know, everybody treats Juan Thornhill like, like he's Ed Reed. Okay, Juan Thornhill is a more talented player, and he should see more snaps. But there's a reason they're not playing it. Like, do you think the Chiefs coaches just have like a bet on this? Like, how many snaps they can keep him from playing? There's a reason he's not playing, and it's because he doesn't tackle. I mean, I, I don't. And now, now Sorensen has is leading the league in this tackle, so I understand the argument. Well, he's got to be better than that. Okay, fine. I hear you, and I'm not disagreeing. Like, I think he should be playing over Dan Sorensen, but I do think. The Chiefs look at Thornhill and think to themselves that he's a liability at times because he doesn't do what he's supposed to do. I can't get into whether or not you know there's any underlying issues. I'm not in the room every day. I don't know that. Okay, I know some people like to speculate with that. I don't know that that's true or it's not true. I, I won't go there. Um, I do think he should play more. I do think he should take Sorensen's role. I also think the idea that everybody's just just beating on Sorensen game in and game out. Like I get it. He's been awful. I know he, I'm sure knows he's been awful. They're asking him to do something he cannot do. It's not fair to the guy. Like, I, I, you know what? You can blame Dan Sorensen and Ben Neiman all you want. They're in positions where they cannot succeed. That is on the front office. That is on the coaching. Like, if, if, if I, I'm 6'2", 220 pounds, okay? I've got some strength, but I, I run like a mule. It's like if I was playing baseball and somebody said, hey, Matt, listen, we should probably play you a catcher or first base, which is why I did in high school. Okay, I was catcher. But we're thinking, what about center field? Like, you could put me in center field, but understand that any ball not hit right at me is a triple, okay? I can't yep. run. I, I've never been – when I weighed 190 pounds in high school, I couldn't run. I, it's not who I am. If you're asking Dan Sorensen to play man coverage against a bunch of guys who are faster than him, guess what's going to happen? Like – 
that's not Dan Sorensen's fault. Now, the, as you alluded to, the blown coverages are, okay? But like Ben Neiman, like not being able to cover Austin Eckler, well, no shit that he can't cover Austin Eckler. Like asking him to do it is just dumb. That's not on That's not on the defensive player. That's on the coach. That's on the yeah. front office. You're not giving him a better option. The thing that has drove, drove me nuts about this to this point, and I, and I am not one of these fire spags guys. He, and by the way, I hate to tell everybody who wants to be one of those guys. He's not getting fired. And nor should he be. But, like, where is Dorian O'Daniel? Like, now, maybe Dorian O'Daniel's just not good, but he can run. Like, he at least can run. And he that is run. where, and, and that's to your point with Thornhill, like, I'm not cool with just accepting mistakes from these guys, but I am cool with saying, let's give it a shot and see what happens. Like, what is the worst thing that's going to happen with Dorian O'Daniel? He's just not as good as Ben Neiman. I find that hard to believe. Like, he's, you're telling me he can't play at the same level? I, I just don't understand that. Like, go give it a shot. Try, try Armani Watts at safety. Give him a yeah. chance. Like, it can't be worse than this. And so I, that is my biggest frustration. Not scheme or anything. It, it's the inability from this team to just adjust to anything. And that's on both sides of the balls we talked about. And that's something that Belichick's always been good at, man. You're the not performing. Out. You're out. Like, he's going to go with somebody else and see what happens and give these other guys an opportunity to play. And I do think, you know, Andy's a player's coach, and sometimes they're a bit too loyal. Spags is the same way. And they just need to be like, look, it's not working. Our jobs to win football games here. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to play Willie Gay more snaps. We're going to, we're going to try Armani Watts. We're going to get Thornhill out there. We're going to put these guys in and give them a shot. And it, look, maybe you play Armani Watts the whole season and it doesn't work out. He has one good game. Sometimes that's all you need, right? Is just put them in there and see if they can have a good game, see if they can shake things up and change things and get this defense playing with a little bit more confidence. Hey. Because right now they're literally Anthony Hitchens, literally running away from the offense. That's the worst play I've ever seen. Like, honest to God, Horrible. that is the worst defensive play I've ever seen in my life. I don't, I still don't know what the hell he was doing. But, you know, I'll give you an example that might feel, make people feel better. When they won the Super Bowl, and I actually saw, I, I cannot remember, it was a fan who tweeted this out and, and bang on. The year they won the Super Bowl, they lost four out of six games at one point in the season. It just happened to come after they were four and up. But they, they lost four of the next six games. And three of them were with Mahomes. The other one was the, the Sunday night game against Green Bay where Matt Moore started. But, they played awful football. They were giving up a million yards on the ground. Well, what changed? The Chiefs decided, you know, they brought in Mike Purnell. That changed their entire front. Changed everything. Like, they stopped. It was one little, hey, bring him in off the street adjustment. And all of a sudden, it changed everything. It, they stopped. I wrote an article about it the week of the Super Bowl. I remember I was down in Miami covering the game. And I wrote about I actually interviewed him. And I wrote about how it changed Everything about if you look at their stats pre that signing and after it, it was crazy. The Chiefs literally were giving up, I think, something like 90 less rushing yards a game. It was comical. And you know, it wasn't it wasn't anything, you know, and, and I said Pernell, Pennell, Mike Pennell. I, I had to go. I knew I was saying that wrong. Mike Pennell, they brought him in. And all of a sudden, it was like, I remember the AFC Championship game against, against Derrick Henry where he was rushing literally for 200 yards a game going into that game. And Kansas City gave him seven rushing yards in the second half. It was just, things can change. 
That was the worst rushing defense literally almost of all time early in that season. Midway through that season, things changed. But it didn't change without them making some adjustments. They have to make some adjustments. And, and that is where it's on Spagnolo to figure this out a little bit. They've got a lot of capable bodies. I do believe that. You've got to figure it out. Now, maybe Gay coming back is a big help. We'll see if they get Ward back. He didn't practice Wednesday with the quad injury. Okay. They've got to get healthy, but they've also got to change. And I do think, look, there are adjustments to be made. You said one of them. Kick Jones inside. Get get Clark and Dan on the field at the same point. I think Dan is actually a pretty good player. Get Gay on the field. Three downs. Like I'm enough of Neiman, enough of Bolton. Get Gay out on the field. You know, get Thornhill on the field. That's all that is a lot of difference than, than what we've seen, especially up the middle of the field. So I do think there are adjustments to be made. But they got to make them. Yeah, they sure do. They sure do. Um, out of the, what do you expect to see out of the the running game? We've talked a lot about the defense heading into this one. Um, we, and we talked a little bit about Daryl Williams already earlier. Do you think? Do you think that Derek Gore will actually get the ball in this one? No, no. I'd be I'd be very surprised. Um. No, be, be, you said it. They don't play. They just don't do that. Like they'll, I think they'll give, if they, if they, let's just say they run the ball 30 times, I think it would be, you know, Mahomes scrambling out five times. It'll be like the receivers a couple of times. It'll be Daryl Williams 18 times and it'll be McKinnon five times. Like yeah. that's yeah. what they'll do. I wouldn't mind it. I'll tell you one thing that kid is, he can run. He's fast. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind seeing it. But you know what I also wouldn't mind seeing to the point? I wouldn't mind seeing them put Tyree Hill in the backfield a couple plays. Like, stress the defense. You know, you want to run all this cover two crap? Well, okay. We're going to put Tyree Hill in the backfield and run him on a running back route. And you're going to have to figure it out. Like, where is he? What is he doing? You know, I, you know, put have have a play where they're in the gun and put Hill and Hardman on either side of him. Figure it out. Where are they yeah. like Make teams figure some stuff out. Maybe make them change the way they're lined up because it doesn't make sense to have them lined up a certain way. I, I think if you're Kansas City, this is a week like let's throw a lot of different looks at these teams and see what how they respond. See what we get because you're in a stretch. Uh, let's just say what it is. These next three games, you got to win these games. Like, I, and I get Tennessee's got some talent. You got to beat Tennessee. You just do. You're a better yeah. football team. You've put yourself in that position. And if you do win these games, you're five and three, which isn't great, but it's also not terrible. Like you're not buried all of a sudden, and you still have four games against the Raiders and the Broncos. You still have, and, and the Raiders, I would have thought would have been harder, but after everything that's gone on this week, I, I don't know how much the Raiders have in the tank. Okay. You have those four games, you have the Bengals, you have the Steelers. Like you have games. If you get to five and three, you're going, we could still definitely win, certainly should win 11. Could win 12, 13 games. You could, but you've got to start winning these games. It starts this week. Yeah, I agree. Um, I would, boy, I'd love to see Tyree kill in the backfield, like a lot. Like put him back there. Try it. Yeah. You know, know, hand the ball off to him a couple of times, have him run some wheel routes and some things like that. See if, see if you can make the defense make a mistake and get Tyree kill lined up on a linebacker. I mean, let's, let's see what happens. Punish him. By the way, I want to just—I just saw us come across, and I, th- I think it's really an interesting thing because everybody's—and and we're, we're included here. Like we've been talking about how the office has to be better. So James Palmer, who covers them a lot for NFL Network, great guy by the way, says 
the tweets. The Chiefs are fifth in scoring, fourth in total offense, seventh in rushing, seventh in rushing, fifth in passing, first on third down, fourth in sacks allowed, sixth in the red zone, and fifth in yards per play. Like, their offense problem, we all know, they're tied for last in turnovers. If they don't turn the ball over, they do everything else the same, they will never punt the football. Like, as much as as much as they have not been good in terms of, you know, the way we like to see them play, they're destroying teams when they're not turning the football. They've punted eight times in five games. Right. Their problem has been the turnover. I mean, if they do everything else the same, it might not be the exciting, oh my God, offense that we've seen from them, but it is brutally effective. Their problem has been the turnovers. I really, I will say this, I truly believe if they stop turning the ball over, and they get 10% better defensively, I would pick them to win the Super Bowl. I really, even as bad as they've been defensively, they're so dominant offensively. If they just get to a point defensively where they're 10% better in the red zone, they're 10% better at getting from pressure. And I will, and, and more than 10% better would get, you know, they, they clean up the tackling and the miscommunication. If they get 10% better, I honest to God, I don't even care if they got to have if they have to go to Buffalo or to Baltimore or to Cleveland or to LA. I think they beat them. Like, but yeah. you've got to stop doing those things. I mean, that Bills game look—they didn't lose because the turnovers they got killed. How much though does that pick six just kill you? I mean, how much does two turnovers inside the thirty kill you? I mean, we don't talk about it because I think we all agree that the Bills are just a much better team in that game. That's probably a swing of like 17 points. Yeah. I mean, those are huge yeah. points. It's not like they didn't, it's not like those turnovers meant nothing. Like the one didn't, the, the kick return, because they actually forced a punt. But those turnovers, I mean, that is probably legitimately seven clear points for Buffalo on the pick six, 10 to 14 points for the, for the Bills that come off the board for the Chiefs. Those are killers. Like if you don't do that and you're just a little bit better defensively, you probably win. But yeah. they beat themselves. The good news is you can correct that. Bad news is they have to correct it because they can't stop doing it. This is a game they absolutely should win and can't afford to lose. So let's get into our final score predictions for Kansas City and Washington this weekend. I picked against the Chiefs for the first time. And uh, since we've been doing this podcast, actually, last week, I'm not going to pick against them this week. I just think they're way better than Washington, even when they're playing at their absolute worst. There's no way they should lose this game. And if they, uh, if they, if if last week wasn't a wake up call, I don't know what it is that they need. Um, the season's probably over. So uh, I'm going to go Chiefs. I'm going to say Chiefs 35. Washington 17. I think I think they're going to run away with this one. Could that be if they give up 17 points, it'd be a lot happier crowd than the, the post game uh, podcast. I'll tell you that much. Um, I am not as confident as you. I do think they'll win the game because if they lose to Washington, there should be an investigation. I mean, there really ought to be if they lose this game. But I think they're going to give up a ton of points because they've given me no reason to think they're not going to do it. I think they're going to win like 38 to 30. I think it's going to look a lot like that Philly game. You know, where Philly kind of beat themselves yeah. with some mistakes and they, they hurt themselves in the red zone. But I think it's just going to be a lot of, you know, the Chiefs, I think, will move the ball well in the game. 
and they'll score a bunch of points. My only concern in this game is if Washington's front four decides to actually play football. They are very talented, and that could be interesting. But I do think the Chiefs can handle them. We don't know if Tooney's going to play with the broken hand. Hopefully he can. He's never missed a game in his career. Um, if he can't, we'll see who they slot in. Maybe it's Duvernay Tardif. Maybe it's Mike Remmers. I don't know. But I think they're <clears> capable regardless. Um, yeah. I think they'll score a lot of points. I also think I'm going to be cursing at the television while Taylor Heineke throws for 350 yards. And they are just completely incapable of stopping Washington. But I hope you're right. And maybe you are. Maybe the second half of that Bills game was lost because they lost the game. But maybe that was a little bit of a sign of, of that they figured some things out. We will see. I, but I, we both think they will win. And frankly, right now, that is the, the bottom line. They have to win and get themselves going a little bit. Yeah, and I'll say that the reason I, I one I think the defense I think they're going to improve this week. I just I just call it a hunch, but uh, they can't get any worse. And I think this is the week that they improve. And even in that Philly game, remember it was forty-two to twenty-three in the fourth quarter. It was. They ended up and Philly, and Philly got a garbage garbage time score towards the end of the game. They went on a ten-play, seventy-five-yard drive. Now it only took two minutes and twenty-six seconds, which you're not looking for, um, but. You know, that was that was that the game was over. Uh, so, the, you know, defense did an OK job in that game. And I think that this is a game where they're going to get a little bit more healthy on defense. I'm praying that they move Chris Jones back inside. And I think if they do, it's just going to be one of those games where Washington never really gets things off the ground. And the Chiefs eat up a lot of clock uh, and get some turnovers. I, I really I, I can't stress this enough. If they can't stop this team, just it, it's over. Like I, I don't know, I, they have nobody on this team other than Terry McLaurin who can catch football. I, I don't know what else to tell you. Like Heineke, he's terrible. McLaurin's it as a receiver. If if you can't stop them, call it a day. They have two running plays all year for more than twenty yards. Two. Like if Kansas City can't stop them, I don't I don't know why you would think they could stop Tennessee or the Giants or anybody else. This might be the most punchless offense they face all year. This one, Pittsburgh, right? I would say Denver, but Denver's got more weapons than Washington. Like Denver actually has weapons. They just, you know, the quarterback is so so, but he's Baron Heineke. This is the worst offense they're gonna play talent-wise all year long. If they can't shut them down and I'm right and they give up 30 points to this team, I'm going to be physically sick. Yeah, boy, I hope I hope that is not the case. Um, all right. Thank you. Listen, all you guys out there in the in the chat, um, our, our, our live audience has been going up and we sort of sprung this one on you guys. So thank you so much. Make sure you hit that subscribe button on the YouTube channel. Hit that like button. It really helps more people find the stream. Uh, and of course, thank you to all of our audio listeners as well. All right. We've got some listener questions I want to get to before we get out of here. Okay. As you all know, this is the Arrowhead Addict podcast. And if you leave us a, a written review over at Apple Podcasts, we're going to read it on the show and you leave us five stars and you ask a question. We're going to we're answer your question. So the first one comes from B Shutter. This is from back uh, on the 23rd of September. So sorry that we uh, took a minute to get to this one. Love the podcast. Great information. Good insight. My question is regards to the defense. I listened to you guys discuss the defense without overall concern. However, three years in this defense, I feel we shouldn't be out of position or have blown assignments. Now, I understand that we have new faces, but how do we regress? I don't understand how we have the issues this far in. 
I get that we won the Super Bowl with this defense, but I guess I'm having difficulty understanding why we just can't hit the ground running from season to season. I think we've talked about it, uh, yeah. Shutter, on the podcast. I, we don't know. Some regression from players, but they no, they shouldn't be playing this poorly. I, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to belabor the point. We we have talked about it. Thanks for the question. And, and sorry, it did take a few weeks. Sometimes it takes a while to get these things in. But um, I, I have no I have no rationale for why they're this bad. I do. I agree with you, Patrick. I think a lot of it has to just be like Hitchens just hit a wall. They, you know, Sorensen's hit a wall. Mike Hughes has not been good, which is not a huge shocker, but, you know, they've gotten nothing out of him or Baker. You know, Baker, they had more hope for. I think, you know, going in, I know for a fact, they really liked Andre Baker. They thought he could be a starter. He's not been good. And I do think it also has been a little bit, look, Ward's been hurt. Clark also, like, again, I'll throw this stat out, the same amount of tackles as Marcus Kemp this season. He's getting paid $28 million. You need your best players to be your best players. They have not been their best players to this point. And, and so, you know, it's all those things combined. Last question and, and apologies. The, uh, the name did not come through when I put it onto my outline. Um, but this person asks contracts. Hey, loving the show. Can you guys mention some contract talks and what we're looking for in the future? Thanks, guys. Love the show. Really good question because I think this team is going to look a lot different, particularly on defense next year. Oh, it will. So... Give me a second. I'll, I'll pull it up and I'll give exact answers here. So here's right now. And of course, things can change right now. Here's what I think you're looking at. So going into next season, if if they not not a post June one, just a regular cut, if they cut Frank Clark, they will eat thirteen point six million dollars in dead money. OK, they will gain twelve point seven. They have no other dead money on their cap sheet right now. Cornell Powell is, is at one hundred eighty thousand dollars. Who cares? Right. Frank Clark, 13.6. That is a massive amount of dead money. Now, if they cut him post-June 1, you don't get that money until after June 1, but then you, you save 19.5, you eat 6.8, but then on the back end, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're paying for it because you're, you're still eating another, you're still eating that money essentially in 2023. So that's one thing to look at. I, I cannot imagine he's not cut unless they come to some kind of an agreement where he just takes an ungodly pay cut. Uh, Anthony Hitchens, they cut him. They, they eat 4.2, but they save 8.5. That seems like an absolute no-brainer. I'm sure they would do that. Um, going down the list, there's nobody else who immediately jumps out who you're like, oh, they would definitely move on from him. I don't think that guy exists. Uh, they, you know, they save a million dollars if they cut Saunders. I don't know that that's worth it. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. Um, you know, They save a million if they cut Allegretti. You know, they, they, yeah, there's there's a couple minor little things in there, but offensively speaking, I don't think you're going to see a lot of movement. I mean, I, I believe they'll bring back Orlando Brown. He's been good for them. If they bring him back, everybody else is under contract on that offensive line for at least four years. Um, you you have, or excuse me, three years and then four years with Tooney. Uh, you know, of course, Mahomes and Kelsey and Hill are all signed. Hardman is signed. Demarcus Robinson, I think, is gone. He he barely has. I think he has seven catches all year. He's done nothing. Um, you know, Josh Gordon, of course, on a one-year deal. I think the offense pretty much the same. You know, Edwards Alaire will be back. I, I don't have any reason to think he won't be. So offensively, they will be the same. Now, I do think you start getting into I mentioned the guys think they'll cut on defense. I don't know what they're gonna do with Matthew. I I know how much going into the year they, they love him and they appreciate him and they want to keep him. I don't know if this changes things. They they've been so bad 
are you going to pay anybody a ton of money on defense coming out of this? I don't know. You know, and Matthew, he had two picks against Baltimore. Let's be honest. He, he's done very little since in, the, in a notable way. Now, sometimes you do good things quietly, but, you know, I don't know. My, my hunch would be that they will keep him, but I, I, it's, I feel a lot less certain about that than I did a month ago. Um, you start looking at the guys like Alex Oakford, he's gone. Okay. Ben Neiman, free agent, he's gone. Sorensen, free agent, gone. I don't know. Are they going to keep Charvarius Ward? I, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's set in stone. Uh, Mike Hughes, gone. DeAndre Baker, I, I don't know if he, I doubt he's back, right? They, the only guys I think that you could set it in stone are back next year on defense are Willie Gay, Nick Bolton, Juan Thornhill is a fourth year rookie, Chris Jones, Lajarius Sneed, and, and Rashad Fenn. Everybody else, I wouldn't pencil them in. And, 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 you know, I mean, you could talk about reserve guys like Wharton or whatever, but like, I, I think next year they will have six to seven new defensive stars. Excellent answer. Yeah, it's going to look a lot different next year. And uh, the way things are going, seems like it probably needs to. All right, before we get out of here, as you know, this is a food podcast that doubles as a Chiefs podcast. And I, I wanted to talk because it's cereal season, right? The Count, Count Chocula is out Stock up now before they they take it off the shelves because those uh, those bastards at General Mills uh, who are not sponsoring the podcast and That's probably right. won't now um, <laughs> have been taking it off. So as you know, if you've been following me on Twitter, I, I found a I found a, a a a huge palette of Monster Mash cereal, and so I wanted to know if you remember this, Verdram. So because we're we're close to the same age. Um, when I grew up, like you could get the Count Chocula and Frankenberry and of course Booberry, but also Yummy Mummy was a cereal that was out there that was part of the monster cereals. Um, I want them to bring back Yummy Mummy, but there was also another cereal that I was not aware of, another monster cereal called Fruit Brute that had gotten that got discontinued, I think, in the early eighties. Sounds so, like it should have been discontinued. <laughs> it's uh they put out a, 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 a an anniversary edition cereal this year called monster mash and they they brought back yummy mummy and they brought back fruit brute and they put it all in and it's so it's count chocula it's booberry it's frankenberry it's fruit brute and it's yummy mummy all in one thing so i've got a cereal re- review for that and i'm actually going to give it four ct crunches if you can find it uh, they're selling these at target i know uh, i also i found mine at meyer it's not bad. It's got Count Chocula in it, so that already is working in its favor. Um, it tastes, honestly, all of it together tastes. It tastes a little bit more just like a, a bowl of, of 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 Frankenberry, if you like Frankenberry. But I think it's pretty good. I've actually had a few bowls of it now. I found it pretty satisfying. Verterim, you got to get your hands on it. You know, I I I'm a traditionalist. I'm a, I'm a man of of uh, of of I guess predictability when it comes to my eating habits. It sounds good, but I got. I just want my Count Chocula. I just want. I went to Target the other night. I was in need, and uh, the damn shelf was empty. I was. I was irate. I ended up settling for Reese's Puffs with bats, which was, you know, by by no means. A, yeah. How did? Horrible. What did you think of that? What did you good. think of that? Good. Good. Liked it. Do you, do you feel like it tastes? I've been asking people this because it's been a while since I've had just a regular bowl of Reese's Puff cereal. I thought it was fantastic. Like five CT crunches good. Yeah. 
yeah. Reese's Puffs with bats. And is it is it? Do you think it tastes different than the regular, or is it just the, 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 the you're getting bigger pieces of cereal? Yeah, I think it's bigger. I it's yeah. it's but damn, it's good. Damn it, it's good. I you know what? I, yeah. I mean, I bought the box. It's just a the small one of the smaller boxes. I bought it three days ago. That thing's gone. It it's phenomenal. Uh, I've had that, and then my wife loves s'mores, like like the actual s'mores, and you roast in the camper, and they have a cereal, you know, s'mores. And let me tell you, that also I've been hitting that pretty heavy. That at least gets four stars. Good. Wow. Um, wow. But I, you know, I've been going to the gym lately. I got a trainer last week because I'm to the point where oh, I'm, I'm. Well, you know, during the pandemic, I lost about thirty pounds. Now I'm, I think I've kept off about twenty five of it, and. Uh, <laughs> I'm to the point, really, it's just more about toning up than losing any more weight. And so I went, I've gotten a trainer, which two of the three times I've gone, I've almost died, but I've, I've enjoyed it. She, she kills me, she, but it's been fun. But I'm like, man, I really got to stop eating the sugary cereals, you know, because, because it's killing me. Like, it's like probably the only thing that I eat all day long that I would, I would consider bad for me. But then I'm like, well, but son of a bitch, that's my brand. And so I've come <laughs> to the conclusion, the brand's more important than living long. So. Same. I, I will continue to work out, but until until Count Chocula comes off the shelves, I will also continue to eat it because I, I can't look. If that means that it takes me a month longer to tone up the way I'd like to hell with it, then I'll work that extra month. Like I need to count Chocula in my life. In fact, after this podcast, I'm off today. I'm that's probably exactly what I'm going to go do is go buy about five boxes of it. Much to my trainer's chagrin, but these things happen because you can only push a man so far, right? I'm, I already, I work yeah. a ton, which is fine, but I work a ton. I got a four-year-old daughter that, that's running around. I got I to gotta contend with her all the damn time. And then I got to watch this shit from the Chiefs every week. Like, if yeah. I'm going to, you know, I tell you, during the halftime, whether we had the rain delay against Buffalo, I was so pissed off. I said, I said, you know what the hell with it? I sat down and ate a bowl of uh, Count Chocula during the halftime. It's like <laughs> I have to have something good in my life, and it made me happier. So, yeah. uh, listen, yeah. that, that's where I'm at. I thought about it. I debated. I, I think I could get in better shape. Any couch chocolate simultaneously. We're going to put it to the test. Yeah, you look. We know that all that sugar is not good for you, but uh, you know, just make better decisions on your other meals. It'll be, it'll balance out the right. the, the count chocolate. Um, by the way, did you see? Did you see old X Factor got knocked out? Oh yeah, that Arrowhead. Yeah, it took a right to the chops. The video starts in his hat. His hat is already off his head, popped off his uh, off his head. But did you see the video? I forget which news channel it was, where they got him coming out of the hospital. Yes, he's shuffling down the street in the scrubs, but he's got the X Factor hat on. Which I just, I think I've just realized this. It looks to me like the X Factor hat is just a a, a Packers cheese head. That has been like dyed red and carved. Oh, he carved X Factor it. But anyway, he compared himself to Jesus Christ. I just want to throw that out there. Did you see that? He said Jesus was persecuted too. I'll bounce back. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> I, I did see that, and I I don't know where to go with that other than to yeah. say, look, I don't. I hated the video in the sense the, the video of the fight because sure. you watch that video. There is just like, I mean, I'm ballparking this, but like this five-year-old kid and he's like yeah. a rollaway and his dad's like shielding him from it. And the kid's really yep. scared. That shit should never happen at a football game. Stop it. Like, I, I'm going to be as blunt as it. Grow the fuck up. 
And I don't care. I know that like, I, and I don't know all the particulars. I know some people, cause I said both those clowns should be banned from the stadium. And so yeah. he said, well, you know, the, there was water thrown on the one guy's wife. I don't care. Yeah. Like you're, you're grown men, right? You're grown men. You know, what it would take for me to fight somebody in the stands of a game. Nothing. Cause I wouldn't do it. Like, there is no so other than somebody physically assaulting me or my somebody in my family, like with their fish, not with a water bottle, with their fish. There is no world where I'm getting into a brawl with someone at a sporting event. Right. You need to just grow up. And I hate to see that for the kid. Now, on the flip side of that, if there's anybody who deserves to get it laid out. <laughs> for a multitude of reasons we will not get into on this podcast. You, you have Google, go look it up. It's X factor. So that man, while I do believe it should should be given some reprimand by the chiefs also doing God's work. Um, It is what it is, but you know, the chiefs look, and this isn't, I'm not coming down chiefs fans. This isn't a chiefs fan problem. This is like a human being problem. This happens at every stadium. I've been, I've been, I can tell you personally, three or four different stadiums. I was at a Yankees game once where they had to remove the entire section. The whole section. They must have evacuated 400 people. It was, it was a game with the Yankees and the Phillies. It was an inter, it was an interleague matchup. You, New York and Philly coming together. Always a good time. Oh boy, yeah, yeah not great. If good thing go Santa back, wasn't there. Oh, if you go back and look at the film of that game, if anybody could ever find, I think it was like the year after the World Series and they play each other. If you go back and look at the film, it's sold out. It's and you look around the stadium probably about the third inning. The whole place is packed, and there's one section where there's nobody. The entire section is just a bunch of empty seats. So it's not just Chiefs fans. Incredible. But, you know, if you feel the urge to brawl with someone at a game, consider the fact you are an adult, and you shouldn't be fighting with anyone ever, not because I'm some pacifist, but because, like, if you've got to settle something with your fish in the second quarter of a Chiefs game, you've got bigger problems. Yeah. Just And you know what? If somebody does, if somebody chucks a water bottle or a beer at you or does something stupid, they've got security. Right, they're going to be don't gone get, in five seconds. Yeah, don't get kicked out of Arrowhead and banned forever because some idiot got drunk and threw a water bottle and hit you or whatever or said something. Just get up. Don't say anything to anybody. People are all around. They'll like trust me. Somebody throws a water bottle and it hits you. You're not the only one that's going to see it. Especially- go get security. <laughs> Just go get security and have the drunk idiot removed. Especially, especially when you're wearing all the regalia that X Factor is wearing. <laughs> you're wearing like Chiefs no pajamas and a, and a cape. Yeah, it's like the whole thing is a sideshow. I I don't know what else I could possibly say. And then, you know, after all this stuff happens, you get so he he's on Twitter, okay, and he tweets out afterward a photo of him and a whole bunch of other people dressed up like, like clowns. Okay. And Herm Edwards, which I'm sure Herm stole to me in that photograph. And yeah. he, he tweets out, he says, this is straight from him. Quote, the man who knocked me, who knocked out me, AKA X factor is red extreme. Who is right in front of me in the photo. Okay. Feud started 18 years ago when he slept with mother of my child behind my back. 
He broke my hand, ankle, jaw, teeth, and four ribs in punching me at hashtag Arrowhead. Now, I don't know where to go with this other than to say, (laughs) first of all, that's one hell of a punch if you broke all that stuff. Like, I get maybe you fell and broke some of that stuff there, but you broke your ankle on that? Like, that... I'm not. I'm not here to dispute facts. Like I'm not him. Maybe that that is the most injury I've ever heard coming out of one punch at a game. Number two, and the more pressing part of this, okay, not to bury the lead, maybe leave out the part with how the feud started. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I saw my buddy Carrington Harrison does great work over at Six Ten in Kansas City. He tweeted the same thing out. Like, bro, maybe keep that part to yourself. Yeah. Maybe keep that part to yourself. Like, I don't know that everybody needed to know, hey, the reason that there's a feud is this man slept with the mother of my child 18 years ago. Yeah. 18 years ago. <laughs> like, what is happening? Yeah. This is insane. Stop. Please make it stop. Oh, the, the season's God. going badly enough. Listen, listen. We're, we're fan sided. We are all about be the biggest fan that you want. Uh, it we we support it, but fandom is a positive thing. Year. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, by the way, yeah. Make sure it, we need a Chiefs fan to finally win this thing. We do this fan of the year contest every year. Head to Arrowhead Addict. I think there's a banner across the page right now where you can submit a, a short essay or a video. Show us your Chiefs fan cave. Do, do whatever, but like a Chiefs fan needs to win this. We've been doing it for a few years now. Uh, the prize, I think you, you win a, a take a two night stay out in Las Vegas at Wynn Resorts. It's going to be awesome. So make sure you uh, uh, submit for that. You got a couple weeks to do it. We want, we're all about fandom. That's the whole reason this company exists, but it's a positive thing. Fandom should be positive. This is entertainment. You should get good things out of it. Good things should come out of fandom. And we've seen it. Uh, we've seen the way Chiefs fans rally around people and, and support causes and those types of things. These, we just need better super fans. Like, you know, just as a whole, like, just stop it. Absolutely stop it. Stop getting in fights at stadiums. Uh, just go get security and get these idiots thrown out of the game. Put your That's beer it. muscles away. Just go get security. And, and be done with it. I'll, and, like, I'll, and like you said, Matt, there's kids. There's little kids. It's got to stop. It's got to stop. And you know what? Like, it's all these people that are super fans. Like, listen, it's great to be a fan. It's great to be passionate. And I'm not telling you, hey, man, you want to paint your face and go nuts and all the rest of it. That's you want to you want to be a fan like that. That's fine, man. You want to wear your jersey. You want you want to just go casually and just go and hang out and watch and support the thing. That, whatever you want to do. You're not bothering anybody, not hurting anybody. Hey, that's cool. I got no problem with that. But you know, don't don't be don't be these people. Don't be you know fireman Ed at the Jets games. Who believe me, as a New Yorker, I think there's a line of about fifty thousand people who would like to take out fireman Ed. Uh, I mean, it's just don't be that person. You know, because at that point, it's not about the team anymore. It's not about your fan. It's about you need attention. Like that's really what it is. Like you weren't you weren't like hugged enough as a kid or something, and and so now like it's just hey like. Look at me. Look at me. Look how important I am. You know, I will tell you, I have nothing against the Jets. I don't care about them one way or the other. There is nothing that gave me greater pleasure when the Chiefs stunk than when the Jets were going to the playoffs with Rex Ryan and Fireman Ed would go on the road and they would show the obligatory shot of Fireman Ed when they were like, like the other team was taking a knee. He was just ruined. Like just absolutely distraught. Nothing brought me greater joy than seeing that. And it's and then you know, and really at the end of it, it's like, what 
What did you really do? You brought attention to yourself. Okay, fine. But it, you just you're taking. I think you're taking the fandom and turning it into something it's not, which is it should be about like community and being about the team and like joining something that's bigger than you and trying to just make it about you. That's the problem I have with it. <clears throat> yeah, and and to the, all the producers out there at ESPN, at CBS, at NBC, who have for years failed to do a Google search yeah, and, and show God, X Factor at every game, stop it. There are a million fans in that stadium, little kid. kids with their face painted. Like, stop showing the idiot drunk guy in a headdress. Stop showing X Factor. Like, show the kids, show the nice families out there that are enjoying the game. Um, uh, my God. It's just like, do, we do not, these people do not represent the majority, the large majority of Chiefs fans. There is nothing I enjoy more in this world. You know, I'm not from Kansas City. I'm from I'm from Ohio, right? Um, and there is, I, I feel so welcome when I love going to Arrowhead and walking through the stadium. People offer me beers. They offer me food into their tailgates. It's the best atmosphere in all of sports. I absolutely love it. I can't get enough of it. I wish I could be there for every game. So let's let, please show the people that are a great representation of what it means to be a member of the Chiefs kingdom and not these clowns in pajamas. All right, we're going to leave it at that. Hopefully we're all in a lot better mood for the Chiefs post game show, which we will be doing Sunday night at around 7 central right here on the Arrowhead Addict YouTube channel. If you don't watch us live, you can always get our show over on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your audio content. Uh, long episode today, but we had a lot to get through. Thank you for joining us. Uh, maybe we'll start doing this every week live on YouTube. We'll see. We'll let you guys know. For Matt Verder, my name is Patrick Allen. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you on Sunday. And as always, go Chiefs. MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C.